for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Today is October 10th, 2023. I am your host, Aaron Blasey. And with me, as always, Mr. DJ Riley. DJ, what's going on, man? Not much, buddy. You know, you, you said it's the 10th of October. It's hard to believe that this, the time of year we waited for so so long for that it, we're already 10 days into season, day number 10, you know. But it's uh, even though we're, you know, only 10 days into season, I mean, we got a couple stories here. You know, you told yours last week, and, and I'm going to tell one today. So, boy, it, it's, been a, it's been a hell of a start for the fall boys to uh, this October. Yeah, and just to kind of reference for you, three in three weeks we're leaving for Kansas. Mm-hmm. Like three weeks. Let's. I mean, it's gonna be here before we know it. But uh, yeah, I mean, we've had a hell of a start, and I'm not, I'm not gonna lie. To this point right now, I've only hunted once. <laughs> I filmed a couple times, but I've, you know, I'm I'm more uh, sitting back, you know, doing a lot of glassing still, and just kind of just going to really surgically just kind of make a move. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to go in a move. Like we talk about hope hunting, not going to do that. I'm going to make a move when the move needs to be made. And you know what? I might only hunt three, four times this year in Michigan. That might be it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to make it th- hopefully the right, the right move. But, yeah. uh, enough about me though, enough about me because we've already done some, a story on me. A lot of people, if they follow you, they know that, you know, you've, you've, you've let a couple arrows fly and I'm going to say a couple. Okay. (laughs) Um, but last week on October 4th, you had a night to remember for sure. And we're going to get in that to that today. The reason why we didn't drop that is because we had some other podcasts and I'm, we're, we're starting to find out too, the nights that we killed deer. It's really like, we can't get a podcast done that night, you know? So it's like, it's really difficult, but I will say, you know, we had some podcasts that dropped and then uh, now we're going to be doing it here today so everybody can hear the story. And, and I can't wait because I know like Cliff Notes versions, as as much as everybody listening can believe that, I, do, I don't know the whole story. So I wanted it first and first right off the rip here today, basically. Yeah, man, it's uh, I I'm looking forward to telling it because this this story here is is. I, I look I look at all the deer on my wall or even all the deer that I, I've killed, you know, throughout my hunting career and there's been some really good stories. But this one here, um man, I look I look back and, and for it all that to come together the way it did, it's just 
it's some things you know you just got to do things right sometimes it feels like and i don't i don't know if karma was on my side or whatever the case may be but uh everything lined up perfectly like you kind of talked about last week on the evening of october 4th yeah for sure and when we do start the story it starts actually on october 3rd actually mm-hmm. no we're gonna go back even to the summer because it starts back in the summer but before we do get into that i just want to thank all of our partners uh, for supporting everything we do. Uh, I just want to rip through these real quick. Latitude Outdoors, Helix Broadheads, Exodus Outdoor Gear, Garmin, Buck Bourbon, Prime Archery, and America's Best Bowstrings. If you guys are looking to save any money, we have a lot of discount codes that will be in the show notes of this podcast and all the other podcasts. But if you guys are looking for any any of that gear or want to know anything more about it, um, Either hit us up, but look at the show notes and save some money on some of those codes and, and support the companies that you know support us and, and help this podcast run. That'd be greatly appreciated. So um, yeah, with that being said, let's go back. Let's go back. Uh, and honestly, one of the first cameras you dropped in an area, you mm-hmm. know, um, I, I vividly remember this. This was like... I want to say it was like end of July, maybe into August. Was it that late? I can't remember the exact date. Um, but so just so everybody knows, you and I share like cell cam logins and stuff like that. So when we get pictures, we both get them, you mm-hmm. know, um, and you drop a camera and I get the notification that it's, it's, it's good to go. And it wasn't much longer after that, a buck, like a shooter buck hits that camera, right? Yep. Yep. And, you know, when you talked about that, it was one of the first cameras that I dropped. Now, it was one of the first cameras that I dropped in this, in this particular area of Michigan, because I was deploying cameras out pretty much through the whole month of July. And this particular camera that we're talking about, it's it was right at the end of July or, or early August, right around in there. And I'm going to be honest, I kind of saved that area to do last because this is an area that I... I know quite well, you know, and in, in knowing the historical information about this area, in particular deer in this area, I know that most of the time it's not going to really heat up until the velvet sheds off. So I wasn't too concerned about having that camera out there in early July because I didn't honestly think I was going to get a ton of information. But I did want to have it out there at least a month before the bucks started to lose their, you know, lose their velvet. Because I'm going to be honest, it is not pretty to get into it is not fun to go out there and hang a trail camera in this area like it is it is rough like it is is as much of a michigan swamp as you can think of and there's areas in the of the swamp that like knee boots don't even cut it so it's 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 something else you know but what what aaron's referring to what kind of happened that day is as i was making my way out there i bumped a buck off the edge of the swamp and most of the time they're bedding inside that swamp, but you know, with it being in the middle of summertime, they weren't feeling much human pressure at all, if any, that he was right on the edge. And when I bumped him, you know, when I read his body language that day, I bumped him, like he got up, you know, obviously I scared him, but he wasn't like, he didn't like freak out and he kind of just watched me. And so I went along my day, you know, not, you know, not too worried about you know, my interaction with them because it's in the middle of summer. And I went out there to an island that I know of that I have a, you know, there's a good scrape on. And so I hang this camera. I do what I need to do, make my way out of there. 
uh, it's get the camera all set up. It is a cell camera, and all of a sudden it gets a notification. And I think maybe you maybe you noticed it before I even did. And you text me, and you're like, "Who is that?" You know. And I look it open, and here's this. You know, you know, back in you know end of July, early August, I could tell it was a buck that I'd you know I'd be interested in shooting. And he is squared up right in front of the camera, and he's got the camera pegged visually, you know, about eight foot up in the tree. And I knew instantly what had just happened is that buck, after I bumped him, and after it got quiet out there, he literally backtracked everything I did that day. He knew every step I took, and that's exactly how it led him right right to that trail camera. Now, I know a lot of guys may say, well, if it's full of water, how can he backtrack you? Well, here's the thing. Every time my boots come up out of that water, it's dropping water on, on the, the swamp grass or the the sticks or the logs in there. My pants are brushing up against things. I, I think this happens more than what guys realize. And that like that was 100% proof that it can happen. And it, it just happened to catch him on a trail camera doing it. And yeah. so I have, I always think about that often, you know, and especially like maybe his tracking abilities were better because of all that water in there. You know what I mean? But he, he knew it, dude. And he knew, he knew that camera was there. And like I said, I, I hang all of them a stick high and he had that thing pegged. And I looked back throughout the, there, you know, I was trying to backlog like information after last, uh, Wednesday night's hunt. And it's like, he, he only showed his face twice on that camera since that day. Like he, he knew it, you know, but yeah, that was, that was actually, I didn't know it at the time, but that was interaction number one with this buck. Yeah. And honestly, when you and I had that discussion, so it was August 11th, you put that camera out. Mm. And so when you and I had the discussion, I remember talking about it and I think we even talked about it on a podcast, but anyway, we talked about it on the phone and I remember hearing, you know, thinking in my head, like, you're probably never going to see that deer again. Like, I think you and I kind of talked about that too, of like, man, he, ba- he literally backtracked you. He came in the camera and it's a sequence of about eight pictures, him like nose to the ground, walking right where you walked. And then like, you can almost visually see him look up the tree and boom. Mm-hmm. And there's a picture of him and it's like, wow, he, and then you're like, I, I bumped that buck and he just backtracked me. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. Like. <laughs> Wow, he's got you like so packed. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep, and it's it's funny, you know. I I think back to that day, and it's like, you know, me bumping him gave him every indication that okay, there's gonna be human in here. And when it gets quiet, I'm gonna get you know, like in his mind, an hour or two later, I'm gonna backtrack this this human and see exactly what happened or or danger. You know, I'm I'm sure he's not thinking human. He he's thinking danger, right? But yeah, that is. Uh, I look back at that, and it's like, boy, you know, I. I kind of uh, slapped him on his ass that day and said, uh, you know, hey, we're, we're going to play the game here in a few uh, in the few yeah. months. <laughs> now, tell me this. Um, did you so that camera, he didn't really show up on anymore. Just one other time. Now, did he start showing up on any other cameras in the area? Did he shift? Like, how much did he shift? Like, where did he end up starting calling home? So <clears throat> looking back, uh, it that is one of the least photographed deer that I, that I knew of this year, you know, and, and I can really backtrack a lot of pictures because this deer has a distinct, he's got two white stripes that run down his nose. I've never seen anything like it. And what's funny is in the trail cam pictures, 
I never picked up on it. I never was like, oh my gosh, look at this buck's like the white stripes down his nose. I didn't, I just didn't think much of it. And I went back through and I found, I think, two sequence of pictures. So he wasn't getting his picture a lot. But knowing these areas, Aaron, and knowing these swamps, just because you're not getting a picture of a deer does not mean they're not in there. Because they, these swamps are, they're vast and they're thick. And they can, they can, you know, they can be in there just 40 yards and they're in top security cover. They don't have to go any further sometimes. But like I said earlier, I also know this swamp does not heat up until pressure is starting to be applied. That, that is, that is one of the, the things about that swamp. It's like, it is, it's a ghost town all summer long and it, it's a beautiful place, but it's a ghost town all summer long. But as soon as pressure is being applied and they start losing that velvet, they start shifting a little bit. All of a sudden, there's a lot of deer that will start calling that that swamp home. So yeah, there wasn't there wasn't much pictures of a man. There just really wasn't. And looking back, I think he spent yeah I think he spent his days in and around that swamp. There's kind of two swamps in that area. And as you'll hear in the story, how my plan was that whole opening week. It was, you know, I was basically strategically going to hunt my way back into that, that furthest kind of point into this, on the edge of those swamps. Would you say it's safe to say that the deer was on the radar, but he was almost kind of forgotten about? Yeah. Yeah. Cause you know, a lot of people heard me talking about, you know, hunting a buck named Chuck opening week, you know, and naturally chuck got the most attention just because of the history like i'm such a i love having history with a deer like that i that that just that kind of trips my trigger so you know you can take away the inches on their head a lot of times and i'm just always more of that that story kind of guy but luckily for me that i talk about often about putting numbers in my favor that this buck and chuck pretty much called this the same swamp home and it's a big swamp and there's like i said there's kind of two of them side by side and it's it's big big so it's it's not uncommon for two bucks to call this swamp home i've learned that over the years about this piece you know i go through this a lot i try not to get emotionally attached to a deer especially you know around some of my open areas like some of the open farms i have to hunt like i i can kind of get emotionally attached but still then they rip your heart out they do now the bigger wood stuff and, and like your, your area that we're kind of talking about is like a bigger wood setting. Like I try not to get emotionally attached because they rip your heart out, man. They like, it's so hard to get a deer to, you know, first of all, it's a pattern of deer where we're mm -hmm. at. But second of all, like I've just more times than not, I get a, I get photos of a deer or a glass of deer and it's like, man, that's him. That's, that's who I'm hoping for. And then you never, ever once ever see him again. And it's like, you know, so it's so difficult to do that in the mental side of it. And, and, you know, and he's a good buck. He, he is to me, a hundred percent a shooter, hundred percent. When he showed up on camera, I'm like, okay. You're looking pretty, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, uh, so how, how did you, how do you kind of fight that? How do you fight getting a picture of a buck like that or glassing, but in this sense, getting a picture and being like, man, you know, I know it's early, so that probably helps. Like it's in August, but like, how do you fight the mental game of, 
you know, not trying to get emotionally attached to to a single deer? You know, that's a great question. And I almost think the way I, I fight it, it's it's not almost not necessarily me like coming up with a plan to fight it. I think my circumstances itself fight fights it on its own. And what I mean by that is is, you know, having you know, a you know, a notebook full of places to hunt, but maybe maybe they're not all big. And maybe there's only one buck on this or one buck over here. I want to hunt this buck. And then the weather, you know, so now I got, you know, the property itself is going to dictate whether I can hunt here or not. Then the weather's going to dictate whether I can hunt this buck or not. And so, you know, not having just, you know, one target going into season. I mean, you and I talk a lot, like my, the target list is, is pretty good, right? Like it's, it's, it's built up in pretty good quantity. So with that gives me options. And so instantly, like when, you know, you look back at those, the very beginning of the season episode, season 23 episodes, we're not really picking what's going on until that, that, the last few days before season opened this year. And as soon as you could start seeing that long range forecast, I started eliminating bucks that I probably couldn't go after opening week. But as I'm eliminating them, I'm starting to think about who can I go after that week. And pretty much the property and conditions themselves will tell me what bucks I can go after. And then on top of it, the most recent information, scouting, trail cameras, glassing, like that, that is going to be, you know, who, who's most killable early on, on, on the target list. You know, like I got bucks on the target list that you know, they may be the biggest bucks on the, my, on the list, but they may not show up until December. So it's not like I, I'm not just going to wait till December. You know, my, our days of hunting are limited with the families and, and just being so busy. Kansas on the, on the docket where it's like, no, I'm going to go after a, you know, a target buck for my area. The one that's most killable early, that's the one I'm going to go after. So I don't think it's necessarily like I'm doing anything magical to necessarily fight that. I think the the cards I'm dealt are fighting them themselves kind of for me, if that makes sense. Yeah, it very much does, and that's the same same boat I'm in. And before I had multiple farms, so I gr- I grew up hunting only one farm, you know, for a long time. Like it was the only my family farm it was the only farm I hunted. And now that I have like I've got you know a good assortment of farms, five six farms that cover a couple different counties that I can hunt. And now it's almost like you have a, in, or not an index, but you got like a, what would you call it? Like a, a lineup of deer mm-hmm. in a sense where it's like, okay, uh, you know, like opening night when I went out and, and went after no go, you know, I put a lot of factors in like, okay, the wind, you know, what is the, and the most, most recent information I have on a deer, stuff like that. And I kind of, like you said, narrowed everything down and, and all signs pointed to him, mm-hmm. you know? And, and then I was just like, okay, that's, that's, that's where you go. Now when you have, you know, I could have went and hunted some other deer, but there was always something that was, he was the one that was showing up the most frequent in daylight. He was the one that was, uh, had the best wind to hunt him. And the one I figured was in the area that I had the best odds, you know, the best odds to get after that night. And, you know, all the other deer did not have that. So I get it, but I will say those people that 
if you are looking for you know a situation to you know if you're if you're struggling every year and getting emotionally attached and everything and and you might only hunt one farm like i would i would highly suggest to branch out branch out and and put more numbers into into your your scenario put uh, instead of maybe having two three deer hunt get nine or ten twelve deer like legitimately this year my target list was 12 deer that i had i figured i had somewhat of an opportunity to get after now it has since narrowed down you know one or two gets killed the other ones just are ghosts you know like so it's and then you know having your list that big now it's narrowed down over 50 percent. like now we're now we're now we're in like 40 percent of that list is like still like an option mm-hmm. you know so um i would say just broaden your hit list and maybe try to get some more farms to hunt if if you're a private land guy or if you're a public land guy um good luck to you <laughs> <laughs> no it, it, those are i mean you nailed it aaron because i i can look back you know a decade ago and say i i had one really good permission piece and there'd be days on that permission piece that it was like, oh, the wind isn't that good, but I can hunt. So I'm just going to go hunt over here and maybe he'll come by, right? That's not how I want to hunt now. And, and maybe even though like, yeah, like I could probably rate my properties, you know, whether they're public or permission, large or small, I could probably rate them of how each good one is. But I, I believe I have a play on every single one of them. And that, that's very important to me. We're like, when you have limited time to hunt, we don't know what mother nature is going to throw at us. And so when she throws us a curveball with an east wind or it's hot, like it was opening week, like it's on me to do my homework to find the play, but I want to have a play for everything. And that's, that's where like adding in pieces, like there was a time where I would ask myself, okay, am I, am I spreading myself out too thin? But then it's like, man, having these plays in the back pocket is, I, I just, that that's kind of my game now. Like I want all those options and, you know, being a mobile hunter, like, like we are, I can adjust on the fly at any given time. If I have plans to go hunt tonight and, and something changes where, you know, a farmer calls me and says, Hey, I seen a big one this morning or, or I drive by and all of a sudden like he's out in the field already, whatever the case may be, a, a trail camera goes off. I can adjust to that. But like you said, like with your buck that you killed on October 1st, you, you know, your deck or deck, your deck was stacked the highest with that buck. That is the highest odd. So you can, that's the buck you go after, you know, unless you truly, you know, like if you truly have your heart set on one buck, you know, that's tough because I think if you're hunting one specific and one buck only, boy, I hope you have a lot of ground to hunt them because man, it's. I, I don't like sitting around. I, I'm not like I'm an aggressive hunter. So I want to go get after it. And a lot of times, you know, like if I, you know, if I have a two to three day window, I'm going to go get after it either. I'm, I hope to kill him. And if I don't, I'm probably going to, he's going to know I'm after him and I'll go lay off of him and I'll go hunt another buck somewhere else. That, that's the, that's the game I like to play. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was getting into is like, we always talk about it you know, hope hunting. We've talked about it for years and like people, I do get some people like, why aren't you hunting? Like it's, we're 10 days into the season. And I've killed a buck. 
I could go hunt some more. I mean, first of all, life in general, you know, family, that, that stuff kind of, once you get a deer on the ground for me anyway, uh, it, you know, that I, I try to accomplish one deer a year is what it would, I really work towards. Do I want to kill two? Of course I do. But now, and I've even told you, it's like, now I can sit back and wait and wait till those odds are in my favor more. And I just haven't had that, that, that opportunity the next day for that is we're looking at tomorrow. Wednesday is a mm-hmm. possibility where there is more odds than I've had since, you know, the opener to get in a tree. Now mm-hmm. let's see if we'll see if life allows me to get in a tree, you know, with family and everything. But as far as deer go, um, you know, the sign I've been doing some scouting, I've been tracking some deer with other people. And, um, so, as far as that goes, uh, I think I can strategically try to get in and really, really have a high odds sit coming here tomorrow mm-hmm. if I can get out. So that's the plan. Yeah, I like it. And and that's the thing is, like, you have the Rolodex of targets. You know what I mean? You have the Rolodex of places to go hunt these different box where it's like there's, there's always a play. Like, you know, I may not get to hunt as much as I ever used to. But I'm telling you what, when I go hunting now, in my mind, there's um, there's always a play to be had there. Like that is like I, yeah. like <laughs> I, if there's no play, then I've I've missed out somewhere. I've For slacked sure. off. I didn't do my own homework. Like that. That's the way I think now. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So let's get back on track here a little bit. Uh, so you know this buck shows up early in in August. And then he just kind of goes MIA. You do a lot of scouting. Did you ever turn him up scouting at all, like glassing at night or anything like that? You know, that that's a great question. Um, I need to go back through some some of my glassing footage. And if I did glass him, he's gonna be well over a mile away from where I killed him. Where I where I back in this area where I killed him, glassing is pretty much a no go. Like you just you're just not gonna glass deer up there. But I know I I did you know film some bucks probably about a mile from there and he very well could have could have been in there, but even even with the footage, Aaron, it's gonna be really tough. You know, like I said, he's got the distinct two white stripes down his nose, but man, they're a long ways off the road. I you right. know, and and he is like not to jump ahead too much, but like he is your typical like your Michigan eight point, like that's his look. He's got nothing like that stands out where it's like, Oh yeah, that, that's him for sure. Outside the white stripes. And maybe, maybe I'll get this footage on a big screen TV or something. And all of a sudden I, I catch something that catches my eye, but it's, I would have to look back, but where this deer was, boy, it's, it's, t- it's tough to uh, get any glass done back there. Yep. Okay. So let, let's get into season a little bit here and everybody kind of knows where your season's at right now. Uh, Chuck was very much the play, you mm-hmm. know, so you're on, you're on that farm with Chuck and, um, you know, big Barry hasn't been so much of a play until two days ago, mm-hmm. you know, so, uh, Chuck was the play until we can get after big Barry. Now let's get into October 3rd. Cause this is when it really, really kicks off. I want you to take it from there, but how did October 3rd play out for you now? Yeah. Let's 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 do go back and say October third was the second day of the red moon. Also, yep, yep. So and 
yeah and i'm i'm before we kick off october 3rd i i want to i want to make sure i say this so people kind of understand what i was kind of thinking in my head october 1st october 2nd october 3rd and october 4th here in michigan the weather forecast looked identical throughout the same all four of those days except for the last day now and, and i'll get to that what we had we had low 80 degree days with south winds every day so Come October 4th, it was going to, to me, be the most stagnant day out of them all because it, we've just came off that same weather. The only thing that was going to be different on October 4th was the wind speed. You know, these we had very, very low winds the, the first three days. And even October 4th wasn't windy, but we had a consistent wind. We had a, still had that south wind, but now we were probably between 10 to 12, 10 to 13 miles an hour that day. Now, like Aaron said, October 2nd, the red moon was hitting the calendar. So maybe the moon was going to be right. Even though the weather was going to be stagnant, maybe the moon's right. And we still have somewhat the element of surprise. So with those conditions, originally going into season, I looked at my family calendar, my work stuff. It looked like the first four days of October, I was going to be able to hunt. So I lay it out a plan in my head that you know, other human pressure could always change us in a in a heartbeat. But I, I laid out a plan in my head. I had two swamps I wanted to focus on. And I was, I was basically going to start at one end of them and work my way towards the very last edge of them. But October 2nd, life threw a curve like it does with the family. My wife wasn't feeling well. So I went ahead. I, I took on full dad duties and I, I ran the kids around. So it kept me out of the woods. So what, what that did do... That laid me a day back in my plans. Okay, so like technically, where I was, where I wanted to be hunting on day th- day two of the season, I didn't get to hunt there till day three. But that's probably a blessing in disguise, right? So going into day three, October third's here. Everyone's heard my hunt about October first, pass a nice buck, but now I push further on October third. And October 3rd was pretty slow. Looking back, like that was, October 3rd was the worst evening of opening week for me, like as in movement. But. Well, like you said too, when you get stagnant weather like that for a a couple day period or a week period, it just seems like nothing changes. It's just rinse and repeat kind of. And that was kind of the biggest roadblock, I feel like. Yeah. Yep. And, and, you know, but like, like we said, like I'm playing the cards that were dealt to me. And I'm going after the, the buck that I had the most recent intel on, right? And either like I'm gonna kill one in here, I'm gonna I'm gonna bust one out of here. Bro. It's gonna be one or the other, and and, and I'm okay with that because I'll move on afterwards. So October third evening, slow, slowest night so far. But right at you know probably the last fifteen to ten minutes, I talked about this on the podcast. I can see a hole through the leaf cover. And I can see way out into this destination food source. I'm talking like, man, if I had to put a rough number on it, I'm thinking five, six hundred yards out. And I see, I see what looks like a shooter to me. And he is working right down this middle of this bean field. And it is like, it's a big bean field. And the first, I had two thoughts that come to my mind when I first laid eyes on him on the evening of October 3rd. One is what a smart, what a smart whitetail walking right down the middle of this thing. You can't touch him from either way. Like just, just, just smart, right? But two, 
I thought, man, to where he is right now, where I where I can see him through all the the leaf cover. I said, damn, he's had to have been on his feet for a while tonight. And that was intriguing to me because it was like, for him to be where he was, wherever he was bedded that day, like I, in my mind, I was like, he's walked like maybe a quarter mile already to get where he was. Like I was, that, that caught my attention. And so that, you know, my evening ended, I, I slipped out of there. I didn't feel like I bumped him. You know, because some I was worried the way he was headed was kind of the way I had to head out. So I was worried about maybe if we were going to cross paths with each other or not. Now, did you know what deer it was that night? Were you thinking it was Chuck? Were you thinking it was, you know, the deer with the two marks on his face? Like, I mean, not knowing it at that time, but did you know that it was that deer or did you think it was someone else? No, I, I didn't, you know my first instinct that it wasn't Chuck and I, you know, what, what decent footage I got of him, I had to freehand it and turn around and try to film it. I sent it to you and you thought maybe it was Chuck, but I just, I just like, I know Chuck's demeanor and this buck didn't have like Chuck, like has a demeanor of like, he has to check out everything that's going on. This buck in that field that night, he, he, he had a destination in his mind and that's what he was doing. He, he had a one track mind. And he's headed somewhere and Chuck's got more mass than what this buck does. And I just, he didn't look like he had quite the mass out there in the field, but he's also five, 600 yards away. And I've been very open about this. I'm an eye test person. I didn't need binoculars for me to decide. Yeah. I'm I was, like, if that buck came to my tree that night, I would shoot him that night. Like the, he passed the eye test right away. Yep. But like I said, the biggest thing in my mind was like, he's on his, he's been on his feet a long time. And so then, you know, that, that I slipped out of there. Like I said, we didn't run into each other walking out. I felt really good. Now the next day, and I'm going to be honest with all the listeners, you know, we're on day four of 82 degrees. Okay. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh. I, I fell in the trap of looking ahead at the weather. And I started playing the mind game. Not mind game, but I it, this started running through my head. You know, I I could be, I could be a great husband. I could stay home. I got better weather coming ahead. But even with that better weather, I knew that my time was gonna be a little bit occupied with you know Madeline's homecoming and stuff like that. But then it, it's like, it, not that I was trying to talk myself out of going hunting, but boy, I can make up a lot of reasons why the upcoming weekend was gonna be a lot better than the evening of October fourth. But then it like reality came back to me and it's like, dude, you, you have like you, you, you're in the game with this deer. You've seen him on the the night before. I haven't dealt with another hunter yet. Like why, why would that deer change? Like he was on his feet to me. He was on his feet October 3rd for a long time. Exact same conditions. Let's go do it again. Like, let's go, let's go play the game. Mm Mm-hmm. And I had two options that night. And the reason there was two, because like I said, I missed the hunt on October 2nd. So I had, you know, I had A, B, C, and D to hunt through for the week, but now I've only covered A and B. Now I got to make a decision, C or D. But in my mind, I said, you and I talked about it. Like, I'm just going to stick to the plan. I just won't ever make it to D probably, unless something catches my attention that I need to go there. 
So, October 4th. Now we're on October 4th. It is Wednesday. My daughter's dance on Wednesday, right? And it is, it's a 30-minute drive for me to take them or my wife to take them to dance. And it's a lot to ask my wife to do both. So they start at 4 o'clock. And it's a little bit late, but I said, you know what? Babe, I will take the girls to dance. I'm going to haul ass back to the hunt property. And I'll make my way out there. And I'm, I'm going to be running late. Like, I, I, I knew that, but it was okay. Like, I just help out. And I start making the, the trek back there. And as I'm approaching where I kind of want to need to cut into the swamp to, I'm really starting to like once, you know, because I, I passed where I hunted night one and my second night. I passed both of those locations like where I cut into the swamp. But now I'm looking to cut a track or I'm looking into the swamp to see if I can't find a big big rub make give me an indication why i need to stop before my plan stop because maybe it doesn't like my plan stop doesn't mean it's 100 percent where he came from it's i have a really good idea but maybe there's something else so i'm just looking for a sign now did you did you were, was your plan was your plan uh i know i know we talked about this c and d and everything you gave me points on the map of where you're thinking but w- was this a field edge hunt or were you, were you trying to get in? Um, cause you know, he showed up in daylight on the field mm-hmm. where you, but it was like kind of last light, but like, were you trying to field edge hunt him or were you trying to get in between where you think he was going to be betting to try to catch him just maybe even five minutes earlier? After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that Mint Mobile wireless plans are, $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com waypoint. That's mintmobile.com waypoint. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash waypoint. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Eating better is easy with Factors' delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, which is the one I like, and Keto. Get started today and get after your goals. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 and use the code waypointpod50 to get 50% off. That's waypointpod50 at factormeals.com slash waypointpod50 to get 50% off. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. 
Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Yeah, I, I'm pushing in off that field edge. You know, I, I, I want to shoot him on that exit trail. And these exit trails, you know, they, the, these exit trails are in my, you know, basically in the back of my mind from scouting, right? Like I, I, I know these swamps, I know them well. So I, I'm going to, I want to shoot him on that exit trail. Cause I'm not like seeing him the night before. That's not like common for me to see a deer like that on the, on the destination food source, you know, three days in the season. That was very like, that's why like I, I made it very important to bring up the point about me saying, well, why was he at, like, he's been on his feet for a long ways. But I also didn't mind the thought of, well, maybe if I can still see the destination food source throughout the, you know, throughout the, through the leaf cover or something, maybe that wouldn't be bad either. So, but either way, I'm walking back there and I'm just looking for an indication to like, tell me to stop before I need to cut into the wood, like into the woods or the swamp. And the painted picture for everyone, I, I'm walking from east to west the swamps to my south and the destination food source is to the north and my eyes are glued down straight down and they're they're panning from right down in front of me and to the south because i'm like i said i'm looking for a track i'm looking for a rub just give me something give me something to tell me hey david don't keep pushing in this is where you need to stop slip in this way and it's about 4 30 and my eyes are glued down at this exact moment and I catch movement like on, on top of my eyes, my vision. And I look up and he stands up. The buck I seen the night before. And I'm not kidding you. <laughs> this This deer was laying in the beans. And I'm not talking like on the edge of the swamp where the beans meet, I'm talking 40 to 60 yards off the swamp into the beans with the littlest bit of weed cover. And when I say weeds, I'm not talking about grass weeds. I'm talking like, I don't even know what, what technically they are. Um, they're, they're kind of a big stem weed. They're all dried out now or that if you broke them, they're like hollow inside. But, I, I'm pretty upset with myself because if I if I wasn't so focused on the ground in front of me in the swamp to the south of me, Aaron, I, I should have shot this deer at four thirty in the afternoon. Like because when I when I when he caught my attention and he stood up, he was twenty eight yards away. And mm. his his back was to the wind. We had a south wind, he was facing north. And I was southeast of him when he caught my when he caught me moving, and <laughs> I watch him run away. Okay, and this is very important. I look back at it. I didn't know it then, but this is a very important part of the story. When he got up, he didn't stand up and bulldoze out of there. He stood up. He stopped back and looked at me. We made eye contact. And he trotted off. His tail never came up. He did not turn and burn. His tracks were not a running track afterwards. 
And I look back and I thought, you know, like that his body language was super important to my next decision. But before I made that next decision, I popped the GoPro on. And, you know, I'm trying to do this self-filming thing. And I I basically, I'm just bitching to the camera of how bad a mistake I made. And, and, uh, you know what? Like, mistakes that, like, no one likes making mistakes, right? And I was, I was pretty mad at myself because this was solely on me. This was solely on me for not taking in everything going in around me. I was so focused on one or two things. For I would have been taking all my surroundings in, would it, I would have killed him at 4.30. I pop the, the camera on to start talking about this. And I, I look over because I want to go break down the bed, explain it on camera. I look and here, there's another buck bed in there. And this buck, and here's another, this is why the body language of the other buck, I didn't feel like he was ever too scared. The other buck never even got up. He never even stood up until finally I was like, listen, I, I want to, I got to keep going along here. So I'm going to have to bump this deer out of here. He was a little buck. But he was still bedded there, and like I could see him plain as day. You could have shot him laying down, like that. There's no leaf cover on the beans or anything anymore. I I cannot believe he was bedding there, but it instantly told me no other human has been back into this area yet, in which was extremely shocking for this area. Like, like I I've never had to deal with that. Usually I'm dealing with heavy heavy pressure. Now I'm having to like instantly on the on the fly. I need to learn how to hunt without any pressure. I'm not bitching. <laughs> I I'm, I'm not bitching about it, but it's not it's not something I'm used to. Right. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And so then I go over and I, I video the bed. And I take some pictures of it. And I'm I'm telling you what this deer has been bedded here for weeks, weeks. So instantly in my mind now I'm thinking one I'm thinking about the pressure thing. Two. I'm thinking about his body language, how he ran off, and now three, circling back to the night before, where I thought he was on his feet for a long time. Guess what? He wasn't on his feet for a long time. He was just laying. He was laying right there. Just got up and moved. But even how he moved, you know, where he was laying, even though it was out in the beans, out out in the bean field, no one's gonna touch him there. He, no one been bothering him. You're not gonna come up from behind. Like not not in this area. And so now. I'm putting it all together. And when he runs away, Aaron, he runs directly into where I planned on going. And I thought, I think me and you talked about it. Maybe, maybe Buckmaster, maybe my brother. I, I can't remember, but it was like, man, do I, do I bump and dump this deer tonight? Like on an evening hunt? Is, is yeah. that a thing? Like, is that a thing? Do people do that? Well, let me let me let me preface what came through on my end. So here it is, like four thirty, somewhere around that range, <clears throat> and I'm getting a phone call from you, and I'm like, this, this isn't this isn't right. This what well, something's going on. So I answer. You are instantly on suicide watch. You are you are mad at the world twice over. And you explain the whole situation to me and you're like, not sure if I should go to this spot or this spot or where I should, you know, push in and, and whatnot. And we had the discussion about a bump and dump. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because one thing that I've realized that 
when when a situation like this happens to you, to to you, me, whoever, but when it happens personally to you, you are immediately negative. You mm-hmm. are negative. You are, I just screwed up the whole hunt. This, I had a plan. You know, if you're anything like David and I, we're very much planners. So like when plans change, it's the end of the world a lot of times, like it is. Um, so it's very much hard to stay even keel. So, you know, if you're that buddy to a guy that something like this happens to, which if you are, I mean, it will happen. My whole approach on this is be honest with you, you know, but also be the level positive that you just were two minutes ago, mm. as if that makes sense. You know, so my my thing was you got to get in there. He's right there, you know, and it could happen. You know how many times I've told myself like bump and dumps don't work and stuff like that. And, you know, we blew up the area. Why would he come back? Yeah, but a lot of deer do come back. Yeah. Why not try it? You know yep. what I mean? So we had that discussion and I just wanted to be the positive person to it in it because it's really hard when that happens to you to not be negative, Yeah, you know? So yeah. we had that discussion and bumping up was, was referred to. And, uh, and then I think we got off the phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, like I said, reading back at his body language, and then making the decision to basically stick to my plan. Like, okay, he at least ran into the exact area that I plan on going to. Let's just stick to the plan, go right back in there. And here's the thing. Hey, this is the same square mile that Chuck lives on too. So he could, he could also be in the area. Back to the odds thing. Put the back odds to, in your favor in the yep. numbers. So you've got numbers. Yep. But this is where I, I had to make, this was probably, I look back at it, this is probably my the best adjustment that I made here, though, is when I got in, when I got to the edge of where I thought, I you know, when I got to the edge, I like to stop and listen and, you know, really look at the edge hard to make sure I'm, you know, right on that right trail. If there's maybe a sign up ahead or north or south or east or west, if I need to be different. <clears throat> when I got to that edge, I thought I could not stop thinking about one, <laughs> how I messed it up, how I, I, I bumped that deer up, but two, his body language. His body language just kept coming back to me. And I told myself, I said, David, I, I can't go as deep into this area as I thought because he very well could have just got into that cover 40, 60, 80, 100 yards and just stopped and turned around and used his eyes or listened. So this is the decision I made, and this is very unlike me kind of thing. I didn't go in there as deep as I thought I I originally planned. I laid up. I probably laid up 40 to 60 yards further off that edge. You know, not I'm I'm still not on the field edge, but like I'm I'm closer to the field edge than what I normally would like to be. But I just in my mind I said I just I'm worried about that deer being in there because he just didn't run out of there like someone slapped him on his ass kind of thing. He just was like, "Hey, oh something." There's a human, but just get out of here and and run to security cover, right? So I got all set up set up in the tree and it is you know it wasn't exactly the area i was going to so i was dealing with the you know kind of a a new tree that i'd never hunted before and it was 
it was thick, man. It was, you know, I had, I had branches, you know, like tight right to my back, but it was the kind of thick where it's like, and I told, I told all my buddies this, I text them all. I said, if it happens tonight, it's going to happen one time. I told the camera at a thousand times, the second angle camera, if I'm going to get a shot, it's going to be one shot. I got an eight yard shot and that's the only place it will happen. I told Aaron, I said, you can forget about me filming any deer coming in here. If I film any deer at all, it's going to be at eight yards. That's the only place I can get footage. <laughs> but it's also the kind of tree where it's like, dude, you could get away with murder up there. Like you, you could like no deer is going to, you know, detect you up there. And through the night, I seen five different bucks come out of that swamp. And every time a buck come out, it was like assurance that, guess what? That swamp was not blowing up. But, like, it was tough. Like, none of those deer actually came out exactly where I needed them. They were kind of skirting me. So, I was like, shoot, you know. But I also knew that the way the swamp is, they have one or two options to come out of there. Now, I, I mean, they could come out of there anywhere, but the favorable options for them are one or two places. All the other deer were using option two, the one that was basically, not that it was completely out of range, but it was so thick. It was so thick in there. Well, as the night went on, you know, I, I, you know, I was, I was being a Debbie Downer about it. I was, I was pretty mad at myself. You know, you were, you were positive to me about it. You know, uh, you know, I remember texting Buckmaster and, and he says, dude, he's like, dude, you're, you're three days in and you're in the thick of it. Like, keep playing the game you know i was like dude he he nailed it he's right and you know like my brother michael was like man what if what if you you know really literally shoot the buck that you bumped up tonight i said, I, I don't know dude it's it's a far fetch you know but it's easy like you said like and especially like when you're when it's downtime and you have nothing but time to think you know what i mean and just a, a mistake the mistake was on me and i i couldn't get that out of my head but as a seven o'clock hour rolled around, the wind started to die down. And the one thing about these, a lot of these swamps I, I hunt, they're always thick. Well, now the leaf cover's on, so it's extra thick. So if that wind dies down, my best benefit is to hear one walking in the water. And I know a lot of people think, well, maybe, you, how are you going to hear him walking in the water? If you learn the swamps, you'll, you'll learn what a deer sounds like squishing through the, the muck in the water. And I would say it had to be around 7, 16, 7, right around that it time. Was, it was 7, 12. 7, 12, okay. <laughs> I remember. <laughs> 7, 7, 12. I, I could, I heard it. I heard the lone deer. And that's another thing too. You, you hunt around the swamps long enough. I can tell. You, you'll be able to tell if it's a, you know, a buck chasing a doe or a doe and her fawn or, or two deer, basically, or a single deer. When I heard that, that suction cup sound out in the, in, in the swamp, and I could tell it was one deer, I said, I was, my confidence changed real quick. And I instantly turned the GoPro on, turned the camera on, grabbed the bow, because I, I knew that where, that where the sound was coming from, was going to put whatever deer was coming out of the swamp was going to put them right here at this eight yard mark. I, I mean, it's, I knew it. And he finally breaks that swamp edge. And when he breaks that swamp edge, he's 18 yards, right? Already like that. That's the kind of thickness we're talking about here. But 
you know, I go, I go right into kill mode. I know where he's going to end up. I know how the train flows, the swamp edge, the trail. I, he's going to end up right here at eight yards. And he has no hesitation at all. A lot of times, these these older bucks here in Michigan, when they break that edge, they almost stand there for a second and take the surroundings in. Nope, he had a he had a destination in mind, and he was coming right there. Cameras are on, we're rolling. Eight yards, come back to full draw. I already had the I already had the Garmin picked out for eight yards. Like the the dot was already there for me. Like this is it's it's green light. Like I I told you all night long. If it's gonna happen, it's gonna be right here, eight yards. Told the cameras that. I showed it everything. He gets he, he breaks. So you know I'm in the saddle and I'm you know I'm say to the north side of the tree and he's to the south side of the tree. And as soon as he gets directly behind me, I go full draw. He doesn't catch any movement. He's at my 10 o'clock hour. Eight yards, I stop him, and I couldn't have missed him any worse. Okay? Oh, I, I oh didn't, my gosh. I didn't shoot over him. I didn't even shoot under him. I shot probably, I'm, I'm guessing, six to 10 inches in front of him. <laughs> and I, I knew instantly, I, I swear to God, before that arrow hit the ground, I, I already knew. I already knew what I did wrong. Didn't it, it was almost like I was traditional shooting him. I'm like not even gonna anchor the bow. I'm just gonna just gonna pull back and shoot him. Like that's what I feel like I did. Like I I I don't even like it's it's probably I mean I'm glad I missed him as bad as I did. Right? Because I think that's probably what saved me. So I I shoot right in front of him and he doesn't know what to think. And that the arrow buries into a log and so now on film yeah this is great first deer on film i, I missed on my <laughs> super happy with myself at this point in the at night. eight yards i eight mean yards super happy with myself at this point you know he freaking sticks his neck out to smell this bright ass nocturnal in front of his face hmm <laughs> <laughs> and he sniffs it and just turns on a dime and turns right on the same trail he came in and he went from my 10 o'clock to my 2 o'clock but I, like I've been telling you all night long in this story I cannot shoot anywhere else well when he stops at my 2 o'clock I'm like eh, there's a small window like maybe maybe but he's nine yards away, like my quivers on the other side of the tree. And I got to get one. I got to get an arrow out, right? So I'm like, well, let's see. Put the release back down in my cargo pocket. Reach around the tree. Grab an arrow out of the quiver. He, do, he doesn't even look up. He's not even looking. Put it back on the rest. Knock back on the string. Okay. He's still not looking. But now... I kept myself really tight to the tree because in my mind all night long I had one shot. So I didn't need to be leaned way off the tree. I just kept it nice and tight. Now I have to get my bow between me and the tree. And I should have I should have waited to put my arrow in after I got my bow up between me and the tree. And I'm swinging my bow up and it's got this arrow on it and it's freaking dinging on the GoPro the second angle camera and I'm all 
I'm just all twisted up in this this tree and you can see the the branch like I keep hitting branches and in the footage I keep you can see me I keep looking at the branches I'm trying to navigate my bow through the branches but the whole time I'm like, like I said, I knew, I knew instantly what I did wrong on that first shot. I like, it's something I've never done. And you know what? It probably needed to happen. And we can circle on that later. But I was like, if I get this bow drawn back, I promise you, buddy, with the mistake I made that first time, they will not happen again. And I got all twisted up in that, those branches. And somehow I, I came back to full draw. I missed him at eight yards, and then the second shot was at nine yards at the two o'clock hour. So you're on your weak side. I'm on you're, my weak you're side. You're like, yep. Mm -hmm. I'm on the weak side. He's at, you know, if 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 the if I'm facing the twelve o'clock hour, the deer's at the two o'clock hour, and he's slightly cornering away. And I bear down on this boy, and I let it rip. And dude, I when that arrow went into him, I instantly like. I don't get too overconfident because it's deer. Are just they're just tough, dude. Dude, I was so freaking jacked, like so jacked, like I just twelve ring this deer, like so happy. Got the cameras turned on me. Called my wife, and I, you know, I look back. I'm this is the one thing I am a little bit upset about myself with because it's like, you know, instantly the first thought in my head was like I smoked him, but I didn't get him on. Like I, I missed him. Like I, I missed them and now I, I didn't turn the camera around and, and I don't know whatever will happen with any of this footage, but you can hear my wife say, she's a DJ. It's, it's not about the footage. It's about the experience. And she was so right. So right in that moment. But as I'm talking to her, she says, is it a good shot? And I was like, Oh, I, 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 I smoked them. I smoked them, Amanda. But then I'm sitting there. I'm like, where's the where's the lighted knock at you know like i don't see it i'm looking down there and all of a sudden i can see my white fletchings and I, on camera you can see i just get quiet on the phone for a second i pick my binos up and i'm looking down at the white fletchings and they are white 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 and i'm like and yet this is a complete pass to you're thinking i dude I, I thought i smoked them i thought i mean i thought i seen the blood coming out of them i i thought i seen it all but now I'm like, oh my god, what what is happening? So I talked to her, and in in now no, it's seven thirty, and and uh, she says, well, the, do you want me to get a babysitter for the kids? And, and I said, no, nope, I don't care what time it is. I want to wait for them. And I knew it wouldn't be till ten o'clock before we could get back out there because the girls had dance. Remember, I, I took them to dance earlier that night. Called you, and you know you were you're super positive. I called Buckmaster, called my brother. You know, like just made all the phone calls. Then I get down and I, you know, I, I filmed the whole thing. I get down and I find my arrow and it's broke, but there's not a speck of blood on the arrow at all. Like none, even where it's broke, none. But there's a good amount of arrow broke where I'm like, okay, like there's, there's a lot of arrow in them, but out the back of the arrow, the nocturnal is almost bent at like a 45. So I was like, dude, it hit something hard. I kind of hit that, you know, if I hit that, that his, I shot him in his right side. If I, if I would have hit that right side shoulder, I, I wouldn't have been that much arrow broken him. So I was like, man, it's, 
the way he was, like, I, I just know I seen that arrow go into him, you know. I, I was so set on it. But looking right there, you know, I didn't see any blood, but I, I've, I've been very honest with all the listeners. I do not see blood very well at all. So that, like, it wasn't a huge concern, but I thought I seen, when I shot him, I thought I seen the blood just, like, that poof of blood come out of him. And so then I, I start making the hike out, and it's a long walk. Boy, it's a long walk. And I get on the phone, I, I called you, and, and you were you you were really positive about it. And I just I just couldn't stop thinking about the arrow not having any blood. Even let's say I hit that opposite side shoulder, like I'm just shocked there was no blood. But there also, you know, I I swore I seen the shot, and you know, there's part of me that I thought I heard him crash. Like you know what a deer sounds like when he crashes in the swamp water. Like it's a di- very oh, yeah. distinct sound. And it's, you know, so now it's 7.30, and by the time I get all the way back up the truck and get home, it's another hour. But now I, I have to wait till 10, right? Like, I, that I, it's very important for me to take my kids out. Like, if they if they want to go tracking, we go on tracking. And so now I'm waiting till 10, so it's two and a half hours. And, dude, I, my wife had made dinner that night. I, I couldn't even eat. I just wanted to puke. I was so upset. One, me bumping the deer. Right, that was a that was a mistake on me. Then two, I I missed a deer at eight yards. Eight yards, I I like what? Like that's not what I'm here to do, you know. And I, we talk about often that the opportunities they don't come often. And I'm I'm messing them up. I messed two up in a night, and both of them are solely on me. The good thing about mistakes that are solely on me is that those are mistakes that I I can fix, right? But then I'm thinking there there's a part of me. While I was waiting for my, you know, my wife and daughters to get home to go tracking, there was a part of me that I started thinking. That I said, "Dude, did I shoot a tree? Did I hit, did I clip the side of a tree or something? Is that why that arrow's busted?" Like I'm, that's that was a real thought. Well, they finally get home. We get all the tracking stuff, and I'll never forget. Then Bailey says, "This is this is my favorite part of deer season. Like she's." She's ecstatic, you know, she's, she's so positive and dad, you, you know, you shoot your bow, you, it'll be a good shot. I'm like, well, the first one definitely wasn't. Let me tell you, cause I, I missed him at eight yards. Well, we finally get all the way back there and, you know, I got the cameras rolling. And at that point, you know, there's, there's a, there's part of me that's starting to like, man, is it even worth, do I even turn the cameras on? Like what's the. And before we even get track, you know what the first thing I did? I started looking at all the branches between me and him. Because I'm looking. I'm looking for somewhere I maybe hit him. And we we get the spot of the impact. Uh, my wife Amanda confirms there is no blood right there. There is no blood on the arrow. And uh, like it's doubt setting in. Like I'm questioning like not that I would ever give it up. But you know in those instances you question you like. How much do it like? Do I want to do this anymore? Like, maybe is filming not the right thing for me? Like, all those, all the questions are happening. And she says, uh, she says, what way do you think he he ran? I says, well, I, I, I'd be shocked if he didn't take the trail that he came out of the swamp on, and the one that he turned around after I missed him, I'd be shocked if he didn't use that exact same trail. Or she, t- you know, she goes ten, fifteen yards up that trail, and there's nothing, dude. There's nothing. So then I look for the track on the trail, and his track was not on the trail. His track was coming out of the, that swamp, but it never went back into it. And I said, well, maybe, I mean, he could, there's only one or two options, but the uh, option B, boy, it's thick. Like, 
the type of thick, like you only run through if you hurt kind of thick. And we take a couple steps and here's a, a little sapling. It's got one drop of blood. It's okay, we got blood. And then about five, six yards after that, Hell's Gate's open, buddy. And he, <laughs> Bailey was like, Dad, there's blood everywhere. Turn the cameras on, Dad. There's blood everywhere. Start rolling. Start rolling. <laughs> and it was like, yeah, but I don't know. Like, it's still, I can't stop thinking about that arrow. You know, I was like, that's kind of, you know, it's kind of odd. But once he, once we found that first blood, dude, Bailey, Bailey led the track. And I'm telling you what, guys, this is a nasty swamp. And for a, an 11 year old girl to be out there tracking, like, it is in intimidating as shit because <clears throat> the grass itself in the swamp is taller than she is. Like it's it's Bailey's a, not very big. <laughs> no, it's it's an it's an intimidating place to be in the dark. You're, it's it's ten you know ten ten thirty at night. It's hot still. It's probably in the seventies. The mosquitoes are horrendous out there, guys. They're t they are terrible out there. Well, she gets on that trail and she just. Dude, she takes it like a dog, dude. She just buzzes right through it. I got the cameras rolling. 61 yards, we come up to the deep water, and she goes, Dad, I the, the water's over my boots now. I can't go anymore. And then about four yards to the right of when she said that, there he laid right on right in the water. Like, like true, like, that seems to be, like, my signature when deer die. It's like, all right, we're going to float them out of the swamp water today, boys. But... What ended up happening was the second shot, you know, he was, like I said, he's slightly quartering away, and you couldn't have asked for a better shot placement and quarter away. That, what happened is it ended up burying into that offside shoulder, and it was stuck in there all the way till I gutted him that night. I had, to, I had to take that arrow and literally physically pull it out with two hands once I got his cavity open. And I, and I tell you what, you know, even though it wasn't a pass-through, Man, you get those slightly quartering away shots, and even if they stick in that opposite opposite side shoulder, man, that's a that's an awfully deadly shot in a deer, man. And and that one, even yeah. though they have the one hole, that they'll bleed well. And and you know, we I floated them out of there, got to dry ground, try to we try to get some good pictures. And like I said, it's it's we're way back in the Michigan swamp. The mosquitoes are terrible. It's me, my wife, and my youngest daughter Bailey, and. uh Dude, there was a moment, like I said earlier, there was a moment I questioned of like, what you know, is why am I carrying the camera? This and that. We did. We tried to get all the footage we could get of the deer and this and that. And this is this is where I I want to thank anyone that's ever pushed me to maybe video my hunts especially you Aaron um, a lot of my buddies have always thought man you'd be good at telling stories while I was gutting the deer Bailey and Amanda they you know like they, they didn't want to see it or whatever so they just worked off away and they took all the camera stuff with them because we were done with all of it and I didn't know it at the time until later that night but they decided to turn the camera on and they're just they're just talking to the camera about how good of trackers they are and doesn't take them long to find deer. And I don't <laughs> care like it doesn't matter to me whatever happens with any of this. Like having that footage, listening to how excited they are 
when we found the deer like it's not just me being excited out there like they are they are just as much invested to it as i am you know because they they see they see my love and passion and the work i put into it and so like i i like i didn't even know they did it you know, because once, once we finally got all the buck out of there, and like I said, it was a long ways back there. And this is a school night. It, it's late at night. It's really late at night. And you get them all taken care of and, and hung up. And it was Amanda. She's like, she's like, she played it off. She was like, I want to, I want to see, I want to see the, uh, you, you, the miss on camera. I was like, I'm not showing you that. Like, why would I, <laughs> I don't like, I need to delete that. We don't want to watch that. But what, but what she was actually doing is she wanted me to turn the camera on it and see that. And it, that, that meant the world to me, dude, seeing, seeing, uh, seeing their reaction out there. It was just so funny. Like, that camera can just catch things, you know, good or bad. And on this hunt, it did both. Like it, it caught the bad. Like you, you looked at, if you look at all this footage from this hunt, from the minute I kicked that buck up until that second shot, dude, I was pretty down. I was pretty down on, on the camera, but you know, I stuck to the plan. I stuck to the plan that night. Um, gave it a chance, gave it a chance to happen. And, uh, yeah, dude, it's, I look back at, couple things i think if someone wanted to take away something um always just you know trust trust your process dude even when it feels like things are going wrong trust it uh reading that deer's body language was was a really really big thing and another thing too where i end up hunting that day aaron the interior of the swamp i know like the back of my hand right but when I decided to lay up and not get in there as deep, I think about back over the years of when I hear guys say in the in the spring when it's green up season, well, I'm done scouting, I'm done scouting. Areas like this are perfect areas that I've spent time during green up season where it's like I don't I may not get every detail, but I could learn the way of the land, how the land flows, how the edges flow, where I might not get every detail where like even that day when I knew I needed to lay up and not push as deep in there because of that buck's body language, I still had a general idea of where I should be. And I think back of those days where it's like, I could have sat home because it's turning green, it's not good scouting, but I can still learn the way you know, just the way the land flows through there, the swamp edges and just where it all kind of comes together. And, and, you know, once again, like I, that, that I killed that buck off a tree. I've never hunted in a day of my life, but yeah, that, that's kind of the, the good and the bad of, uh, yeah, bumping and dumping a deer on October 4th on an evening hunt. It's kind of hard bump to, and dump. hard to believe, <laughs> you know, and I, I want to, I want to, before we 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 end this i want to say something about about us hunters and and what we live for and yes big antlers are great shooting does is great whatever whatever your trophy you know whatever the the trophy is to you is is awesome that's awesome but what i want to talk about is for if if you're just if you're if you're just as invested as guys like David and I are, and I know a lot of you guys listening are, we think about this 365 days a year. My wife actually told me the other day, she's like, you know, hunting season is not the fall for you. It's literally year round. It's always something. There's there's always something that I'm doing hunting related, you know, anything. Mm. And um, 
you know, it's not a seasonal thing. It's just, it's always season. There's always something to be done. So, you know, we wait for moments like this. You, you live for 15 seconds. If it, if it, if, you know, if you want to narrow it down that, that to a time frame. but think about it. You shot that deer at like seven twelve ish. You ended up finding them around 10. So for three hours, roughly three hours of your life, you were the most depressed, down, I, I'm a screw up, I'm a failure. And then in, in about 60 yards, it can change. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And we live for that ebb and flow. We live for the roller coaster, the, the unknown, the how big is he when I walk up on him? Did I hit him? Well, you know. It, is it the deer I was looking for? Yada yada. Whatever that might be, we live for that, and I think that's the coolest thing. And honestly, it's just really cool that a wild animal like a whitetail can do that to us, to us hunters. And I wouldn't have it any other way. You mm-hmm. know, there's some guys that uh, some guys or gals that like, you know, they might like basket weaving or they might like kayaking or extreme sports or whatever. This is our extreme sport. That's, that's the best. It's our adrenaline rush. The only thing is we get adrenaline only in about 15 seconds, really 15 seconds, maybe once a year. That's it. And we can't, we can't control it. Mm-hmm. You know, we just try to do the best thing we can to, to try to get the opportunity. I think that's the coolest thing. Really? Yeah, <laughs> it, it really is, man. It, and, you know, and it's especially like when you've, when you've, Bull hunting long enough, you know there's a lot of uncertainty to it, right? Like anytime, anytime you don't even see an animal go down and per- with your own eyes, like doubt sets in. Like you start thinking about everything, you know. But I I talked about missing that deer on that first shot, and I I made the comment that I almost felt like it needed to happen because I'm I'm gonna be honest. Over the last couple of years, you know, I've I've had success, but I feel like there's been like like some rush behind me probably because a lot of like the excitement you talked about like I live you know outside of my family like I live for those moments you know shooting a, a deer that you planned on going in there to shoot and, and when it all comes together but also in the back of my mind it's like man I've just always lived in a camper it's like it just doesn't it doesn't happen often not often enough right and so when you when you do screw up it's it's, it's a hard pill to swallow and me missing that deer, Aaron, in that moment, like it was almost like this, like a, like I just hit the reset button. It, right in that moment, was like, did like you can do this, dude. Like just stop, just slow down. You can do this, you know. And and I'm not saying I'm glad it happened, because gosh dang, I wish I would have. <laughs> it would have been sweet, you know, shoot him eight yards first, just like he came in. But when he gave me that second shot at nine yards and like you give me the opportunity to to, to fix a mistake of mine, I'm gonna do it, buddy. I'm gonna fix it. And I that's exactly what I did. Yep. Yeah, that that's you almost needed that grounded moment. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. And it was just all between the ears for you at that moment. And it was like now you won't let that happen again. But I I do have to ask you one thing before yep. we wrap up here. Honest opinion, and I haven't asked asked you this yet. I wanted to wait for the podcast. Honest opinion, what did you think about the Garmin in the moment of truth? Oh, it's 
Well, it's the brightness was good because you got to think, you know, I think you said around 712. I probably heard the deer, so it's around 720. So I'm 10 minutes. You know, I'm, I'm knocking on 10 minutes after sunset. I, I mean, as I, I have a lot of confidence in it, right? And that, that was, that was the thing I was, I was, you know, holding the highest going into hunting season where like when I missed that first time, like that's like I instantly knew that was me. Like I instantly knew, but like there was something, you know, like a lot of people think about the Garmin. They think about, well, I can get a range and then I'll shoot. Or it's like, I knew that night that what my range was going to be. So that was nice. Like I, when he was coming in, I had already clicked the button and I, I already had that yardage set on that, that site, you know, but I, uh, <laughs> when, when he stopped the next time, because I rearranged him the second time when he went from eight to nine. It was eight yards the first time, nine yards the second time. I was like, buddy, you stopped in top pin club too many times tonight. Yep. Yeah. Don't I, give David, don't give David a do over. <laughs> yeah. 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 I, 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 I tell you what, I, I can't believe he did. But like, like I talked about earlier in the story when I jumped him and then when he gave me that do over like that, it's like, Dude, no, no one's messed with that deer this year. Like him, his, his body language from start to finish read like no human pressure back in that swamp yet. Right. Yep. But yeah, that's a uh, cool man. That's the story of, uh, that's the story of the buck, man. He's a, just a, he's a, a typical mainframe eight point. I mean, he's just a big old sucker. He, he dressed out at 194 pounds and. I, I actually seen an equation that, that my processor told me that if you if you take your buck's weight and times it by 1.28, that will almost be to the pound about how much a deer will be. And, and once I did it, I I think he came out to just shy of you know 250 pounds live weight. So pretty pretty it's a pretty cool equation. If anyone wants to uh, think about uh, 1.28, 1.28. Yep. Okay, so my buck came out at two oh four. There you 204 go. Two hundred and four pounds. Yep. And that's when I when I weighed him, um, we weighed him at one sixty with no guts. Mm-hmm. And then I had the bag of guts with him and I weighed that and it put him right at two hundred pounds. Oh yeah. So, so pretty close. That's pretty that's pretty close. Yeah. yeah that's crazy. One point two eight. Oh, that's yeah. that's a cool equation. Yeah. And uh, dude, it's I've been I've been bowling for 26 years. I've never heard anyone. I know there's an equation for like bears that you know like black bears. I do a percentage, you know. But once I did that, but I I knew right. I trust me. I knew who that deer was heavy when I had to drag him out of there because oh my gosh, <laughs> in a way, you know. And of, of course, of course, Bailey had the camera rolling and he could hear me just grunting and just pulling this thing out of there. But yeah, I don't. You know, for anyone listening, I don't know what will ever happen with this footage someday. But it's uh. It's 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 uh it's fun to watch, you know, the the struggle, but then all of a sudden you can see you can see instantly afterwards my confidence was really high with that shot, but then my confidence changed with the broken arrow, you know, it's the, it's the ups right. and downs, you know, but yeah, it was a he, he he died before I even made a phone call to anyone. He was already he was already dead. I love it, man. Hell of a story. Good, really good start for us, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, you know, regardless of what happens from now until we leave for Kansas, we've got great momentum going into Kansas. That's what I love. We're, we're going to be hitting the road. If we were to leave, you know, with just two buck tags tagged, um, or punched basically, if we were to leave, I know we'd be grinning ear to ear. We, we, 
I know we'd be saying we, you know, we don't have any unfinished business in Michigan. We, we've, we have a goal and we accomplished that. Everything else now is just bonus for Michigan. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm glad we're on a high going into Kansas. I'll tell you that. No, in what I, you know, you nailed it because for the most part, once we go to Kansas, come back, seasons change here in Michigan. Seasons over basically. Yeah. And you know, with firearm season that you're not saying that it can't be done, but we've been doing it a long time where it's like, yeah, your chances, your chances changed big time. But yeah, man, looking, I'm really looking forward to that trip to Kansas. It's hard to believe that it's coming up, you know, but we, we do each have another Michigan tag. So like you said, we're probably going to be, you know, really, really picking apart the best days getting that most recent information. And every time I shoot a buck, it's almost like I hit the restart button and not that I have to relearn everything that's going on, but it's like a clean slate, get the buck taken yep. care of, get all the gear washed up. It's a, it's a brand new game now, but yeah, it's uh, I, 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 one more thing though, for any listeners, it's, I look back at that story and I think about how bad the weather conditions were. And a lot of, like I said, I almost talked myself out of going, but guys, if you, if you got the information on the buck and no matter what the weather's doing, if you got like that live, you got your eyes on them the night before or something, go, go, go try it. You got to go try mm-hmm. it sometimes. Or like that should have been the worst weather conditions out of opening week, night four, stagnant weather. And the information was there and he was there to be had. So if, if he, if you have the information go get them. For sure, man. I couldn't agree more. Well, let's cut this thing loose. Congratulations again, buddy. Uh, Like you said, we're hitting the reset button. We're getting back to square zero, and we're going to try to get after another Michigan deer before we leave. So thank you guys very much for all the support and all the downloads. Leave a five-star rating at uh, iTunes and Spotify, and also leave a written review. And we'll be right here next time on the Fall Podcast.